The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get into the interview, I would be honored if you would consider going to thepaulleslie.com and clicking support the show. There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour, and you can help me get more of these interviews out there to the masses. It only takes a moment, and it makes a world of difference. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now let's get into the interview. Hi there. Hi, Mr. Hargrave. How are you? I'm hanging in there. That's good. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Well, I want to introduce everyone out there to our guest. Our guest is Ron Hargrave, and he is a renowned ukulele and banjo player, songwriter, performer, recording artist. Through the years, he's done a lot of things, everything from boxing to acting. Some of you might be familiar with a song that he wrote, High School Confidential, which appears on the very first Jerry Lee Lewis album. So it's a pleasure to have you on here. How are you today? Well, I'm pretty good. Uh, um, I'm putting in my time. I'm uh, getting close to that time, but I'm feeling pretty good considering. I'm now about 91 going on, 92. Well, I've been reading this memoir that they sent me, which I really appreciate. Can you tell us when you wrote this this story of your life? Well, it's been over the last two or three years, four years maybe, hard to remember. And uh, I did it at a request of somebody that requested that I better get all this stuff down before it's just plain history and nobody hears anything about it. So I decided to uh, go ahead with it and I had a lot of help. Some great stories in there. So you're originally from New York. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, right. Can you tell us about your most vivid memory of going to California? I remember in the car driving through Texas. I remember one thing it was in the middle of winter, some winter, which was a bad time to go, but we went anyway. My dad had bought, spent all his money on a 36 Ford, and it was 1936. It was a brand new Ford, and he figured you better have a good car if he's going to make that trip. So he got a 36 Ford, and we hit one town. I don't know what the town it was. But there was tremendous rains at that time. We were traveling at the wrong time of the year, I guess. And uh, there was a lot of rain, rains day after day after day. And we hit this one town, and there was a bridge that the water was rushing under this bridge. And uh, it was very uh, tumultuous. Yeah, it was very tumultuous. And... uh so we came up, it was our chance to go across this bridge, across this river that was just a, a torrent. And uh, 
the guy said, that's all we won't take anymore. And our car was, and my dad argued with the guy, just uh, one more car, we can make it. And the guy let him go through. And just as we went through, the bridge washed out. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. My father was, was fit to be tied. And so for another day, we we spent it right. We went right to our old motel. My dad had to recuperate after that. He was he was so scared, so nervous over it that we just made it over that bridge, and that, and I remember that thing washing out, hmm. and I remember my dad flipping his cork. <laughs> <laughs> so I was six years old at the time. So this would have been in the thirties. Yeah, this was thirty six. Yeah. Oh wow. Nineteen thirty six, right? It was uh, it was quite a quite a trip. But anyway, Hollywood, Hollywood was oh, what a terrific place at that time. It was it was real, real Hollywood, you know. Holly trees. The tree, tree, the the uh, palm trees, and just a beautiful place. And it went from there. And tell us a bit about your parents. Were they people who encouraged music and acting and things like that? Yeah, my mother was a singer in vaudeville, and my father was uh, a uh, saxophone player and tap dancer. And they were in vaudeville right up until the crash. Actually, until I was born, practically, which was 1929. The stock market crashed, hit in 1928 in October, and this was like, I was born 10 days later after the stock market crash. And the Great Depression started, and then everything went to hell in a handbasket, so to say. Hmm. And uh, we finally made it back on our feet, and he wanted to go to, to California, and we all wanted to go. My dad had been there once before on a contract to uh, do some work on the, the uh, Roman Chinese building that needed a rewiring. My father was in the electrical business at that time. And, and he came back with glowing reports from California, how fabulous it was in California, Hollywood, California. So we wanted to go, and we went. And that started my life, I guess. And Mr. Hargrave, can you tell us about the music that most moved you when you were a young guy, like in your teen years? Well, when I was a kid, I was learning songs. I never forget the first song I learned was "I Play Horsey Down the Street with My Horse Down the Street." When somebody moves the street, I fall down and go boom. I get right up on my horse. Boom, of course, was my horse. When somebody moved my horse, I fall down and go boom. I cried. I cried. I ran home to Ma. It's all right now, but how that certain place is hurting. Mama put me straight to bed, straight to bed, but oh my head, in my dreams, they moved to bed. I fall, Shelly's laughing here. I fall down and go, I fall down and go, I fall down and go, boom. I was like eight years old and seven, seven when I learned that, I think. My mom had a ton of those little songs from way back. And I picked up the ukulele, then I got the ukulele, which I still have. This little ukulele, if you're hanging on a wall right here. I still have that old ukulele, and 
and it's worn in spots where I strum the, the devil at it. And my, my mom taught me how to play. Because my mom was in Vaudeville uh, doing impressions of some of the great old uh, Vaudeville singers of that era. And that's uh, how I, I learned, I guess. I started when I was real young. And it brings back wonderful memories. Wonderful memories. Would you say that you're a naturally musical person? Yes, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting uh, the okay from Shelly on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know about uh, about when it was that you started to write songs yourself. When was that? Well, that wasn't until later, uh, quite a bit later. I, I I was into athletics very big time in school. I, that's all I thought about. I was going to be this and that, and I was crazy about athletics, and like most kids, I guess. But I did all that, and I, and I didn't didn't really go into the music hard until the, the teens, and then I started uh, in rock and roll. I started, I started, I got my first guitar in 1948 or something like that, 46. Now, what am I saying? I'm sorry. No, I got my dates mixed up. 70s, 70s. I better forget it. <laughs> I better forget trying to remember dates. That's kind of tough. That's kind of tough. Yeah, I, I started in music when I started taking guitar lessons, I guess. But I played ukulele a lot before that. I played my little ukulele a lot, and I was uh, I was picked up songs really easy. It seemed like I was saying stuff when I was a little punk. <laughs> I guess that <laughs> like most kids, like a lot of kids, I guess. But it was a great, great era. It was great times. And then I went to Palm Springs High School. I graduated from Palm Springs High School. Where I had a radio show in Palm Springs, that's when I really started doing, I was going to be a Western movie star, I thought. And I had a guitar and I played Western songs. Had a little radio show on KCMJ in Palm Springs in 1958, I think it was. Yeah, 1958. And uh, every Saturday I'd do this little radio show and play my guitar talk a little bit <laughs> and that was, the, that was my beginning actually and then we went to Hollywood from there and I started working in a motion picture business and doing western stuff I started from the bottom I started a central casting started doing western uh, stunt work and uh, riding horses because I had a lot of experience riding horses when I was a little kid cleaning out stables and stuff and riding and exercising the uh, boarded horses at a place in California here in near and near Hollywood. And I got a lot of, ex lot of uh, experience there. And that's where I got my experience horse as a rider. And it's, it worked out pretty good for me. I started going up the ladder a little bit. I got a park it. Now I got a fight park in this movie called Flesh and Fury with Tony Curtis. And I was a champion in the movie. 
and him and I trained together for quite a while, and then we went and did the movie, and that worked out good. And I got another another pilot film with Roger Crawford, who had just won the Academy Award, and he had uh, was going to make a series, so he was doing a pilot film called Knockout, and uh, they needed a young guy in that film, and so I got to lead a role in that. And uh, I worked on that, and that showed, and I got my start. I got I got a pretty good start in the motion picture business. Did you ever want to be famous? Oh yeah, oh I wanted to be famous, sure, <laughs> but not real big. I was a kid. I was I was a frivolous kid, just having a good time. Really, I was in athletics and sports, and then I started surfing when I was eleven years old. I started surfing. We used to go to Laguna Beach, and we used to steer fish and abalone dive. And way back in the year 1941, 42, 43, I ended up writing a song about that. And my last song I wrote, I've written, been able to write, called uh, 1943. And it was about my adventures at the beach. In 1943, it all began for me way back in 43. I was just a young punk, and I loved the sea. I drove a little blue Monley Ford, sticking out the back with a 90-pound board. I sang and played on the ukulele. If anybody wasn't looking for me, they could find me riding on the waves at San Onofre, which was true. That's I used to surf all the time. San Onofre. <laughs> it was a good old day. And that's when I met, I met Jim Arnez, the guy that was in Gunsmoke for all those years. Jim Arnez was a surfer at San Onofre, and he was a young kid. He was about, he was in his teens, late teens, and he was a surfer at San Onofre, and he was called Big Jim. And we used to see him out there on a surfer riding, his hands going and flipping, and he, but he never fell off the board. <laughs> <laughs> That was Jim Arnaz. Then all of a sudden, he got a break in Hollywood, and he disappeared. And the next thing you know, you saw him on the screen doing his TV show, Gunsmoke. But we had a lot of good times in those days, a lot of good times. Would you say from your experience in working in the motion pictures through the, the various movies that you worked in, was there anybody that you met that in particular you felt like you were in awe of them? Well, I tell you what, I went, I had uh, uh, Lou Costello as my manager at one time. And I was in awe at him on the friends that he had made in all the times he had done the shows with Bud Abbott, Bud Abbott, Lou Costello, a very famous comedy group, comedy team. And uh, I was very impressed with uh And he had made all these connections. And, and, and the minute I met him, I, went, I was in his office. I went in his office, and he called Jackie Gleason on the telephone and said, Jackie, I got a young kid here, and he's just signed a contract with MGM Records, and blah, 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 blah. He's doing this and doing that. But, and uh, Jackie Gleason gets, says, send him out. And Lou Costello took me right down to the, the London shop across the street from the Brahmin Chinese and bought me a tuxedo and said, this is what you're going to be on stage again. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me to New York. 
And I went to New York, and I did the Dorsey Brothers stage show in New York. Amazing. That was amazing. And then the guy, all he did was sit in his little office and just call all these friends that he had. He had a million friends. Lou Costello had a million friends. Hmm. You know, the little guy and the little fat guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How would you describe Lou Costello? Well, he was a very... uh, very direct guy. He was not not bubbly or anything like that. He was just very. I don't know. Well, I better think about that. I better think about. Lou Costello was uh, very businesslike and very. Uh, he didn't uh, react much to things, but his brain was working. You could almost see his his head, his mind going behind those eyes. You know. He was quite a nice guy, actually. I didn't do movies, but then he had me do a movie with him. I did a movie with him. The last movie, him and Lou Costello did uh, Dance With Me, Henry. I did the romantic lead in that with Jeezy Perot. And uh, I did that film with him. And I had a great time. I met uh, met a gal who was a terrific gal and ended up to be a friend friend of Doris Day's. And you know, I can't remember her name right now. <laughs> oh my God. There goes my memory. No problem. But she played the part of a maid. She was always a maid. She played a hundred thousand maids in every movie you can imagine. And she was a sweetheart. What a great gal she was. She was uh, playing a maid in this movie. And I had a great talk with her about things. She was I was very impressed with what a great gal she was. She was a terrific woman. (laughs) I want to go back to something you were just mentioning. You were mentioning performing with the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra. Yeah, I uh, when I went back east to do the Dorsey Brothers stage show, of course, I was sent by Lucas Tall. And uh, Jackie Gleason was producing that show. In fact, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that Lou talked to him right on the telephone and sent me out there to New York. I didn't meet I didn't meet Jackie Leeson, but I met the both both the Dorsey brothers and uh, did a rehearsal that day. I was quite impressed with them. I was with the whole orchestra. My gosh, here I just had a ukulele. I was with. And here I am doing a big thing with the whole Dorsey Brothers Orchestra. It was crazy. <laughs> and so I met some guy. I met uh, Louis Belson was the drummer at the time. Louis Belson was well known. And he did me a great favor, which is a long story, but it was it was, it was just unbelievable times. Unbelievable. Can you recall the first time you went into a recording studio? I think it was. Uh, I think it was with. Uh, oh, Sun. Oh, Sun. Yeah, Sun Records, down in in, in Memphis, down in uh, in Tennessee. Is when I went in there with, with Jerry Lee Lewis. Wow. Yeah, I went with Jerry Lee Lewis, and I I, mean, I met uh, the head of the studio there. What was his name? Uh, 
can't remember his name now, but he's well known. Uh, Phillips? Phillips, yeah, Phillips, yeah. Yes. I met Phillips there. I met a guitar player that was on the session that had done the session with Jerry Lee, the high school confidential session. Yeah, well, I wrote that song, by the way. I mentioned that I wrote that. And that was quite a story in itself, the way that case came to be. I had signed a contract through uh, the help of uh, of, uh, uh, Bud Abbott with the capital, with uh, MGM Records. I had been doing some recording with them. And the A&R man, who was an old timer in the motion picture business, said to me, he says, we're going to be doing a movie here with Jerry Lee Lewis. He's going to be doing his first movie. And he's going to need a song for the movie. And he says, if you if you write a song for the movie, I'll have you uh, play it for him right in the producer's office. He says, when he comes to town. And I said, are you kidding? I said, that's fabulous. And so I, I said, okay, I'll accept that. I'll do my best. And he knew I wrote songs and was very, a little impressed with what I had done. So uh, I went home and I studied what Jerry Lee Lewis, what kind of songs he, he did. And I decided on uh, an opening similar to his last big hit, which, which was uh, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, open up a hundred. Anyway, I thought of how it, that went, and I said, I'll, go, I'll put the, that kind of a beginning on the song. So I wrote, Open up a honey, it's a lovable mean that's knocking. Why don't you listen to me, sugar? All the cats are at the high school rocking. Honey, get your bopping shoes before the jukebox blows a fuse. Hey, everybody bopping, hey, everybody hopping, popping at the high school. And so I wrote that song, High School Confidential. And, and believe it or not, when he came to town, the guy marched me up there with my guitar right into the producer's office at MGM Studios. And I sang that song for Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> and Jerry Lee Lewis said, that's the song I want to do. Wow. And I just just slipped my cork. I couldn't believe it. So I ran home and I told my uncle, who had been handling some of my business because I had a little music publishing company going. And uh, he said, well, where is this guy staying? He says, is he in town? I said, yeah, he's staying at the Knickerbocker Hotel. So I went down to the Knickerbocker Hotel. So my, 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 my uncle said, you better, you better get, you better get down to the Knickerbocker Hotel. Sign his up, hang up his part to the publishing on that song so that he's sure to do that song. Because saying it and doing it are not the same thing, you know. So I went down to the Knickerbocker Hotel. I called Jerry first and he was there. I went down to the Knickerbocker Hotel. And signed him up as part writer, and and he had half the action. He was happy as hell. His my manager, Bullens Durgham, was really happy. Was, no, no, that's not that's Jerry. I'm sorry, I got I made a mistake. That was Jackie Gleason's manager, Bullens Durgham. I'm talking about that, this this other guy uh, was the same manager that uh, Hank Williams had had, and I couldn't think of his name. Oh, I'm sorry. I. But anyway, uh, I went down there and Jerry, and then they wanted me to go on tour with him. Jerry said, why don't you go on tour with me and be my roommate? So I was his roommate on this, his, uh, his last 
his last uh, rock and roll tour, which was all through the country. We went, we took off. Anyway, what an experience that was. That, that, that had a lot of stories in it. <laughs> what was he like, Jerry Lee Lewis? Jerry was uh, arrogant, but a nice guy. He was a nice guy. Him and I got along terrific. He was an arrogant guy, but he had every reason to be arrogant. He had come from the, from kind of the sticks area, and he learned how to learn the piano on an old piano, and came up from the from the you know he just just came up from nothing to, to a big huge star, and I guess it, it kind of kicked into his arrogance. But he was a nice guy, a very nice guy. So we had lots of fun on that tour. <laughs> <laughs> What song of yours would you say you're the most proud of? I would say that song, High School Confidential. It works out the, the, the most. That's a, I got the most out of it. I also had a big hit record in Japan. I was number one in Japan in 61. And uh, under another name, Johnny, Johnny Deerfield, through MG2 Capital Records. And I had a big hit record in Japan that went over, over there. Yeah, called Lonely Soldier Boy. And I went over there and traveled over there for about six months, four months, four months, I guess. Yeah, four months. I was over there, and that was quite a ex- oh, wonderful experience. Terrific experience. What was the best thing about that experience of going over there to Japan? Well, to see how the people, how they, they were so accepting of American recording artists. Big names were Neil Sedaka at that time, and uh, other, other names were all American. Elvis was a big name. In fact, Elvis was number one at that time, and I was number two. Johnny Deerfield. That was my, my name through Capitol Records. And I had a big record over there. But I had a great time there. I had a wonderful time. Do you still write songs? Yeah, I still. Uh, I just wrote that last one. I sang part of it for you about uh, about it all began for me way back in '43 about my uh, diving at, at Laguna Beach, and then I wrote a song called "Slipping and Sliding," "Slipping, Ducking, and Diving," and then that's about surfing for Patagonia. I wrote a song for Patagonia for that movie. Ah. But, but, anyway, I I did a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. It's... <laughs> well, something's got to happen in 90 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that you're more moved by the words of a song, the lyrics, or the music, the melody? I would say the melody. I would say the melody, and then uh, the words are very important, too. Because, well, well, anyway, thinking about that, I, I take that back because lyrics are very, very, very important. In fact, I, I, I marvel at some of the old writers, uh, Irving Berlin, some of those guys are just unbelievable writers. Oh, yeah. They just, just unbelievable stuff and wonderful. What a legacy they've left this world with their music. Oh, my Lord. And I appreciate it. I learned a lot of songs when I played the banjo and the 
ukulele and a guitar. And I loved all those old songs. I loved, and I appreciated particularly the old lyrics, the old. Oh, yeah. They're just so beautiful, so wonderful. Oh, yeah, and then I had a group of my own called New Banjo Minstrels, which was three banjos and a tuba. And we played all over the place. We played women's clubs and all over California. It's when I, well, I was finished traveling. And after I traveled, it was later years. Interesting. What would be your favorite of the old songs? Oh, my gosh. Well, one of them is Ain't No Sin to Take Off Your Skin and Dance Around in Your Bones. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. But I had one, I had a lot of other ones that were, uh, oh, my gosh, it's kind of very hard to, very hard to say. I, I knew a lot of songs in my day, and it's very hard to say. I have to think about that for a while, I'm afraid. Did you ever meet Tiny Tim? No, I never did. No, I never met Tiny Tim. He didn't play ukulele much, but he play, played around it. He got he got a good name. <laughs> he got a good name, Tiny Tim. Yeah, he got, a, he got quite a name as a ukulele player, but he wasn't, you know. But he, but he was a good guy, I guess. They're all, they're, they're all just trying. Everybody's just trying, man. Trying to make it through hook or crook, trying to make it. But we had fun. I had fun. What is the best thing about being Ron Hard Grave? Well, my memories. My memories are wonderful. My memories are just, I think about it. I dream, I dream about the old days too. Sometimes when I go to sleep at night, I dream about things that happened and of course, I always think about things I should have done and didn't, you know. And, uh, but it's, I'm just, I just thank, thank the Lord that I was intelligent enough to, to enjoy and appreciate it hmm. and live it through clear eyes, through clear eyes, because I made it a point to never mess with any substances, alcohol or anything else. I just made that uh, a, a, a rule, rule that I lived by all my life. And I guess that's why I made it to 90. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, in closing, is there anything you'd like to say to anybody who's tuned in with us? Well, if, you ha if you're a young person and you have a talent, get it, do exercise it, use it, develop it, become something. And then, and, and become some, somewhat of a, if it's a musician or whatever it is, do it because you'll always appreciate the fact that don't waste your time. Find out, find out the talents that you have when you're young and develop that, that talent. Develop that talent and that's the talent that you're made, you're made to, to, to do in your life because that's been given to you. In your birth, in your birthright, your birthright to develop that talent, that ability, the abilities that you have. Find those abilities early and use them to the utmost. I don't know. I'm not doing too good. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I think you are. But I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to remind myself every once in a while. <laughs> Would you sing us just one line of something? Oh, oh yeah. Look at me. Um, look at me. I'm like a monkey in a coconut tree. I'm like a devil, like like the devil in the deep blue sea. No, no, I got me. No, women, look at me. I'm like a monkey in a coconut tree, like a dolphin in the deep blue sea. I'm wild and I'm free, riding on a wave and I'm gliding, just slipping and sliding. I'm having a ball. I only wish I could surf like this. No times, times can get tough, and if it gets a little rough. No, time to get tough. Just like you got a little rough in the day during the COVID. Flipping, ducking, and diving. I was having a I'm brief. I was having a ball. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that, that <laughs> that's called flipping and sliding. Flipping, ducking, and diving. Anyway. That's what I'm leaving. I'm leaving that along with uh, my other song about my days in San Onofre. And that's about it, I guess. So I'll just try to I'll try to, I'll have uh, my, my friend Shelly's going to try to push some songs while I'm gone. Shelly's taking over for me. She's going to be pushing my songs for me oh, through my music publishing. And maybe I'll still rise again to the top. <laughs> well, Ron Hargrave, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Oh, it's more than a pleasure. More than a pleasure. Thanks for thinking about me and wanting to talk to me. I appreciate that so much. It's an honor. Thanks, 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 pal. Tell Shelley thank you. I sure will. I'll tell her. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye bye now. Bum up a beep, boop beep, leap, the bees. I walk on teacher, I get it. No, it's a